Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking to a Syracuse football legend and about the 2021 ACC kickoff. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is Syracuse football legend and friend of the show, Brendan Carney. Brendan, thanks so much for coming on the program. How are you today? Hey Wes, good. I, I'm doing well, thanks. Um, really, uh, you know, appreciate you bringing me back on and uh, and catching up with uh, with Syracuse football and uh, and the 2021 20, season. Yeah, Brendan, always a pleasure to have you on. I want to get you started on this one. Everyone knows Syracuse is coming off a one in ten season. The expectations among media outside of Syracuse are going to be incredibly low for this year's team. But you don't fall into that category. You're a distinguished alumni of the football team. So, with that in mind, what are your expectations? Yeah, so you know, as you, as you mentioned, uh, you know the expectations in the media and outside of, of Syracuse are low. Um, but, but my expectations are, you know, that we'll get to a bowl game, you know, and win it. Um, you know, I just think we have we have solid talent coming back on on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, presumably a healthy offensive line. You know, with some depth. You know, you remember. Um, you know that was our biggest issue last year was was the offensive line. Uh, you know we have competition at the quarterback position, which we haven't had in a few years. Um, and you know another piece is a you know full off season of, of coaching from our you know second year offensive and, and defensive coordinators. So I expect you know this team to be ready you know and to be competitive in, in every game this year. Um, I feel our non conference schedule is uh, extremely favorable with you know teams like. Ohio and Albany, and Rutgers and, and Liberty. Um, you know, I know personally, uh, I have that game, the Liberty game, circled on my calendar. You know, after after that loss last year. Um, but these are teams that we should beat. Uh, you know, and then outside of Clemson and the ACC, um, I don't think anyone really stands out. You know, as a team that we can't line up against uh, and beat. So again, I think we, you know, I think we get six or seven wins. You know, this year, and we head to a bowl game, and um, you know, and hopefully. Hopefully it's somewhere warm uh, so we can all go and a, a bowl win for Syracuse. Brendan, I know you speak a lot with your former teammates and a lot of Syracuse football alumni, many of whom have been on this very podcast. What's the general feeling about Dino Bapers now? In your conversations among your knitting circle, is there a feeling that it's bull or bust, or is there a sentiment to preach more patience as he heads into his sixth year? Yeah, it certainly has that, that feeling, um, but... You know, after last season, I, I remember talking to a buddy of mine who played at Virginia Tech uh, under Frank Beamer, and he reminded me that, that Frank Beamer had a losing record after his first six years at, at Tech, um, and that now that there's a statue of him standing outside the stadium, uh, you know, you look at, you know, his time there, uh, you know, he coached for 24, 25 years, you know, at that school with over 200 wins. So I think there's something to be said about, giving someone enough time to completely rebuild a program that, you know, that desperately needed it, you know, like, like we did. Um, 
you know, but typically you like to see some type of progress year after year, uh, you know, to justify, you know, those losing seasons, right? You know, maybe maybe you get a big win against, you know, a ranked opponent or, you know, some of the losses the team was competitive, you know, but lost, you know, just because of a few plays. Um, you know, so if we get to a bowl game, there should be no reason coach isn't back on the sidelines for the 20, 2022 season. Um, you know, that's, you know, end of story in my opinion. Um, it's really with a team if they go like five and seven or worse, you know, we miss the ball season, you know, that's in the discussion, you know, on a potential return will we'll be at the forefront, you know, and, and, and let's say they go five and seven. I think there's, I think there's some factors that should go into the discussion, like, you know, what did those wins and losses look like? Who did we lose to? And were we competitive in the losses, you know, and only lost because of a bad break, you know, where did we get blown out? And the same for the wins as well. You know, who were they against and, and how do we look in those games? Um, so I think, I think in, in that scenario where the discussion becomes, you know, reality, um, but, but trust me when I tell you, we're, we're all cheering for this team, um, you know, and the focus is, is on a great season, you know, and to have a winning record and, you know, and get to a, a bowl game. One thing about this offseason I've noticed is that Dino Bapers has kept it very close to the vest. There's been no media access to practices or even interview opportunities, there's no depth chart or anything to go off of. So what do you think about this, and do you see any tactical advantage to it? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, another one I've, I've discussed um, in depth with, you know, a lot of my former teammates. Um, you know, just like everybody else, I love the coverage, you know, the, the news articles and, and, and the tweets, just like everyone else. Um, but I, I'm personally okay with it as long as he puts, you know, a good product on the field. Um, you know, that's, that's the only thing that really matters to me at this point, you know, to showcase a good, consistent product every week. Um, you know, maybe this is something that kind of, you know, felt, you know, needed to happen in order, you know, to get the train back on track and, and rolling in the right direction, you know, and, and I know that that's hard to accept in today's world with social media being, you know, the main driver of how we, or how many of us kind of, you know, keep up with, with the team and, you know, and their program, you know, we, we love to see those, those, those types of updates, um, you know, from the school. Um, and it's a, you know, social media, it's, it's a massive recruit, recruiting tool for these schools, you know, since the, the reach is, is endless. Uh, so the fact that we aren't seeing much on Twitter, you know, or Instagram from Syracuse has certainly been, a, it's been a weird feeling. Um, but I think it'll pick up once camp gets underway and, you know, as we get closer to the start of the season, um, you know, I think someone, you know, can definitely make the case that it's not good for recruiting, but, you know, maybe they're making up for it in, in other areas that, you know, that we're not aware of. Um, and again, my, you know, some, my last point on, on this is, is if we, if we win, uh, this will be a non-issue to the fans. So, right. So I think that's, that's the right, focus, right. at least from my perspective is, yeah, we, we may have some issues with it right now, but but if he's putting a product on the field that we're all happy with, then all that stuff just falls to the side and, and, and everyone's happy. One other offshoot of not having a depth chart and not seeing any practices is we don't really know who's got a leg up on any of the position battles. That includes quarterback. Tommy DeVito has been the starter for the last two seasons, but Syracuse brought in Mississippi State transfer Garrett Schrader in the offseason. DeVito's been at ACC Media Day the last two years, but he's not there this year. Am I reading too much into it, or is DeVito not going to Media Day because he's not the starter? Right, yeah. So I think this is part of, uh, you know, the, the keeping everything close to the vest mentality um, that Dino has displayed, you know, this, this offseason. 
Um, there's definitely a spotlight on the quarterback position right now. So, so to me, you know, that means that, you know, Dino is, is basically saying the job is open, you know, and those two have to go out and win it. And, and as a fan, that's, that's exactly what you want in this situation, right? The competition is going to bring out the best in these guys. Um, you know, to me, it's the most important position on the team and on the field, you know, and your players really have to have complete faith that, you know, whoever is playing, uh, you know, will be a leader and will get the job done. And, um, I'm certainly not questioning Tommy's work ethic. I, you know, I believe he's a, you know, he's a good quarterback and, and he works hard, but, you know, no one should be handed a starting role on that offense, you know, after what we saw last year. Um, you know, and, and we as fans should also be, you know, elated about Garrett, um, you know, having someone come in from the SEC with, with real, you know, game experience. Um, I think, you know, he didn't play last year, but in 2019, you know, he showed he was a productive quarterback. You know, he can push the ball down the field. He's scrappy. If you've ever seen film on him, you know, he kind of reminds me of Dungey. Um, you know, he can run. You know, he can hurt the defense, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he, he can throw from the pocket pretty well. You know, he makes his reads. Um, he can throw on the run. Um, and he can go off script, you know, and really hurt the defense. So, if we have two guys like this, like him and Tommy, start are competing for the starting job, um, you know, I think we should all be looking forward to seeing, you know, how Sterling Gilbert, you know, the offensive coordinator, you know, can really shake things up and get this offense uh, back on track this year. Um, you know, I want the best man to win and, and you know, to be a leader and, uh, you know, really help this team, you know, win, win games this year. And Brendan, we'll get you out of here on this one. I've got to talk punting with you before I let you go. Syracuse has really become a punter you. I think that traces back to your time at Syracuse. If Nolan Cooney ends up making the New Orleans Saints roster as an undrafted free agent, that's three straight punters the Orange will place in the NFL. The position is James Williams to lose after he redshirted last year. You are a three-time All-Big East punter and played in the NFL for the Baltimore Ravens. Do you have any advice for him as he heads into his first true college season? Um, yeah, so those three guys before him are, uh, are are making out pretty well, so... I would tell them to, you know, follow their blueprints and, and you know, just kind of stay that course. Um, you know, I, I saw some film of his from high school, and, and he and he looks good. You know, he's got sound mechanics and, and good power. Um, so, so given the redshirt year, you know, where he's had a full year in the weight room, um, you know, and, and he's been able to adjust to the speed of the game for the most part. You know, I expect this run of, of good punters to continue for the next, you know, four years with with, with James. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of what kind of touch he has at uh, at pending teams inside the ten. Uh, Sterling, Hoffert um, there last year or two years ago, sorry, was uh, you know one of the best at that in my opinion. You know, so as far as advice goes, you know those those first few games you know are a lot of fun, but can also be nerve wracking. So you know if he controls his emotions and you know focuses on his job by you know being as consistent as he can and puts the defense in the best field position possible so they can play aggressive ball. Um, you know, I think he's going to deliver for this team. I think he's going to have a great year, and uh, I'm certainly excited to, to watch and, and, and cheer for him. Brendan, thank you so much for coming back on the program again. Syracuse legend and three-time All-Big East punter, Brendan Carney. Brendan, always appreciate your insights and analysis of Syracuse football. Enjoy the season, and we'll speak with you later in the year. Cool. Thanks, Wes. Love coming on. Go Orange. Great stuff as always from Brendan Carney, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. 
Rabbits ACC kickoff week and select Syracuse players and coaches are going to be heading down to Charlotte to meet with the media. Syracuse finished 1-10 last year, so I expect the Orange to be picked near the bottom of every ACC poll. I can't see Syracuse being picked any higher. Can you? Well, first of all, let me say this, Wes. I'm excited. Football's back, right? And this is just such a, a great time of the year and all the enthusiasm and all the expectations and the excitement. So that's number one. Football's back after a year away of not having the ACC media kickoff event. Here it is coming up this week in downtown Charlotte, and that's the first good news. Second is, will Syracuse get any respect from the media? You know, since I've been covering the ACC since Syracuse entered back in 2013, I've always noticed that 70% of the media that covers ACC football is either from North Carolina, Virginia, a little spillover to South Carolina, and a little bit into Georgia and Florida. So it's certainly, as we've talked about in previous years, Syracuse is a northern program playing in a southern sports conference. And I think that goes over to how the media looks and the perception is of Syracuse football. And, of course, Syracuse has to do its part. It's got to win games and make annual trips to bowl games to get the kind of respect that it should have in the ACC. So it will be interesting to see this week, Wes, coming off the 1-10 season, and you look at the uh, Atlantic Division, Clemson right on top, Florida State looking to rebound, NC State very competitive, Louisville very competitive, BC, Wake Forest, and Syracuse. So can the Orange move from that trio of teams that kind of figure to be at the bottom in the preseason predictions? Probably not, based off the 1-10 in 10 season. So no disappointment in the fact that Syracuse may once again be predicted to finish in the ACC Atlantic Division basement. But I have a lot more optimism and a lot of a better feeling, I think, that Dino Babers in his sixth season, the experience that's on the team, his best recruiting class coming in, and most importantly, depth at the quarterback position, that Syracuse will exceed the early over-under total of victories at four, and that this will be you know, on the verge of being a bowl game type of season. Brad, you wrote about it in your Orange Watch this week. Syracuse's selection of players is interesting, specifically for who's not going to ACC Media Day. Tommy DeVito isn't going, and that's particularly notable because he's not only gone in the past, but every other team in the ACC is bringing their quarterback. I think that's a pretty big statement from Dino Babers that Tommy isn't going. I think it's a little eye-opening, Wes. I really do, because in 2019, Tommy DeVito, who was the heir apparent to Eric Dungy, he was front and center as one of two Syracuse representatives at that event, the last one because not having it in 2020. So it really stands out to me. And even further, when on a Tuesday this week, the Davey O'Brien Award uh, finalists were announced, and the ACC has six quarterbacks among the preseason uh, players to watch at that position. Malik Cunningham of Louisville, Sam Howell of North Carolina, Bill Jerkovic of Boston College, Garrett King of Miami, Mackenzie Milton of Florida State, DJ Uyangale of Clemson. So that shows you right there the depth at that position in the ACC that six of the 14 teams have quarterbacks that are considered that highly 
by the media in, before the season gets underway. And then you look at the opponent Syracuse is going to play in non-conference games, Wes. When Liberty comes back, Malik Willis, who really had a great game against Syracuse in the Dome last year with a combined 230 yards of total offense, Auburn transfer. And then Rutgers, Noah Vidrell, who's a transfer from Nebraska, is really expected to lead the resurgence of Rutgers football. So my point is, again, the importance of the quarterback position in the game of football, and now specifically looking at Syracuse for this upcoming season. There's a proven commodity in Tommy DeVito. Now, I don't think that they wanted to have Tommy DeVito at the ACC media kickoff event because there were simply going to be too many questions asked of him, are you going to be the starter? What's the battle going to be like with Garrett Schrader in the preseason? I think Dino Babers wanted nothing to do with any of that, and he had enough seniors on the roster that are veterans, experienced, and great spokesmen for the program that he could bring there. So I think that took care of that situation. Now, you look at the battle between Tommy DeVito and Garrett Schrader. Well, every time I've looked at the film this offseason of Schrader's games at Mississippi State, I've been impressed. And at six foot five, 215 pounds, he has that same physique as Eric Dungy. He can run with the football. He can pass with the football. And certainly in this day and age in college football, you need a dual-threat quarterback. Tommy DeVito's got a great arm. He's just not a great runner. And I think that his ability to think on his feet in the pressure of the game situation is something that he's gotten better at. And, of course, the offensive line has had its problems but is really intact for this season. I I just think it's going to make a real interesting battle in August preseason camp. Dino Babers is going to take a long, hard look at that position to determine who's the best player to be under center when everything opens up at Ohio University on September 4th. And Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Quick question for you, Wes. How do I get a free summer trip to Spain? <laughs> well, for the uh, basketball <laughs> players, Jim Bayheim, Buddy Bayheim, and Jimmy Bayheim, the answer is... Uh, Team up with Guy Rancourt, the head coach at Western Connecticut, and get a uh, get a roster spot and a coaching spot on Team USA East Coast. And what Team USA East Coast is all about is a perfect mix for these top-notch college basketball players to continue developing their skills against international competition. And it's really kind of like a, a summer abroad study program that when you play basketball at the same time. It's a mix of games against pretty good competition, uh, of, against teams with kind of the, the, the peer level of talent uh, in, in a couple of different cities in Spain. And in the case of Buddy Beheim and Jimmy Beheim, well, they're going to get to play for Hall of Fame coach Larry Brown. And I think that's going to do nothing but help improve the experience and, and the learning uh, for, from a coach of the caliber as their father, Jim Beheim, is as a Hall of Fame coach. And for Jim Beheim, another opportunity to coach uh, another one of the teams in the USA East Coast as they divide it into the red, white, and blue teams, and also to be joined by his assistant coach, Red Autry, to gain invaluable experience heading into the 2021-22 season for Syracuse basketball. So I'm envious and jealous and great for the Bayheims to be able to play some basketball, coach some basketball this summer, and be able to tour around different cities in Spain. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Buddy Beheim, who signed an endorsement deal with Three Wishes Cereal, 
We've been talking about athletes getting access to sell their name, image, and likeness, and Buddy Beheim has been out in front of this in a humorous commercial where he needs 44 takes to get it right, but finally nails it. This is a new, unprecedented era in college athletics, and for me, it's great to see college athletes be able to make money off their NIL. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I think a treehouse is really insensitive. It's like killing something and then making one of its friends hold it. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.